If I had one wish, it would be that every sound effect called for in this script would come from something real. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey, guys, it is Terry here. And he is talking about Malto Meal, the creamy, crunchy cereal that sounds like a gunshot. I don't know. Mm, um, sounds good. Are you are you doing the hand waving things too? Where you're like, and I now just, and I literally just, just did that. Just did the hand things. <laughs> just like just I'm moving my that. hands. Like like I'm like Joe Cocker singing at Woodstock. Is what's going on? Anyway, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. That's that just. I, I, I understand vocal performers and sometimes you got to have like a certain thing that you do. It was odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about, about a radio show production in a second, but yeah, welcome to strange highways. Uh, this is a podcast that uh, mainly deals with the twilight zone and other anthology based shows. Um, we have, uh, went through the original series and the paramount plus, well, sorry, I keep saying paramount plus it's not there anymore. Um, the Jordan Peele produced uh, twilight zone that's still available to find places. You got to pay for it now, unfortunately, versus a subscription service. Um, and you know, we're now in the eighties edition of the twilight zone. Uh, we had just recently talked about, uh, the segment called a personal demons that, uh, was, I think if, if I recall our conversation last week, it's one of the, one of Terry's favorite segments he's ever seen of the twilight zone. Um, if I, I you know, I, I took a pillow and I wrote personal demons on it and I punched it cause I couldn't punch the episode. <laughs> punched the shit out of oh. it. <laughs> I hated that episode oh. or that segment rather. There, so years and years ago, uh, here we go guys deal with it. Um, uh, I, when I first moved to Cleveland, we, I had a, a neighbor in an apartment complex that had a small, small yippee dog that like they were bad. They were bad pet owners. And this poor dog was left out all the time. And every time like you go near it, it would just fire off. And it was like, they just leave it and bark, 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 bark. Like it was like, it was terrible. And it was one of those things like this was like at the time when like West Nile virus was a thing people were worried about the simpler times people. Right. Um, and but, but, like we ended up joking about like, what if we wrote the words West Nile virus on a brick and just chucked it in that direction towards that dog. And they'd be like, well, what happens? Like I must've been the West Nile virus that got it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't condone will. dog violence. I don't want a John wick scenario. Animals are great, but this dog, you just, you know, just, you know, like was a, did a play grass move? Bark, 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 bark. It was a very challenging time. Let's put it that I, way. I, I, I'm surprised that you didn't say that you guys put like, we were going to put a pig snout, uh, on a brick and then throw it because it would have been fly, a swine flu. Yeah. There so. you go. Right. Either way. Right. I want yeah. people to, I want to be like, Oh, this, I mean, it must've been, look at that. The virus must've hit it. That really hard brick shaped virus got that dog anyway. So yeah, you punching personal demons. Like I, you know, like 
Is that is that like like you know? I know you've been trying to get back to the gym. Have you been pers- like? Is that what you've been focused on? Like you know, I hate this so much. I want to come after you, personal demons, and like you have like a Rocky montage where you're punching like uh, like a like a like a speed bag or like blocks of meat or something to. I will break you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's all I I can say about this. That stupid segment. Right. So, well, the good news is references. The good news is, uh, that was a comedy segment. I know those aren't the best and we're going to move on to one that is, um, it's another comedy segment before we get there though. I, I did want to mention, um, in between, and I know we, I think we posted on social media. If we did not, I apologize. We were tagged in a post. I did do a guest spot on at the devil's ball. Um, and in between it was, Recorded somewhat recently, but for people, if you guys want to listen to me, um, babble on further, which if you don't, I understand. I know Terry, Terry's the appeal here. I'm just the guy that presses buttons. Um, like I was on there on their episode 136 talking about, uh, Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. Uh, if you guys want to go check that out, I adore that movie so much that I forced my way into that episode by bribing uh semi-o with a taco bar for me to get on that episode. So go on there. Uh, and then also check out, uh, the, the revelations about Nathaniel, the coast about his, his views on tacos that, you know, it's a hot take. You guys gotta go check out that episode, but I love Lord of illusions. It's a really cool movie. So go check that out. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun episode. I, I had a chance to listen to it. You guys had a great conversation about the movie and it rightfully so it's a great movie. So, I yeah. mean, I love, uh, underrated. Parker, so I'm a little super, biased, yeah, but. super underrated. Uh, a lot of the effects hold up. Some really, really don't, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a feast or famous situation with some of the effects going on in that film, practical, amazing, uh, computer generated, not so much, but it is of its time. But yeah, I did that. So go check that out. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out of that before I forgot, um, because it's a lot of fun and we love those guys at the, at the devil's ball. They're good. They're good people. So, all right. Um, yeah, now on to, uh, the episode we're at hand. We're talking about the segment. It is, uh, uh, season one of the 80 series episode 18, segment C cold reading. So Terry, who did what? Okay. So our director on this is a returning director of, uh, Gus, uh, Trignosis, I think is how it's pronounced. I, I, like, uh, I look at it. I say, I, I want to say trichinosis, which is like, that's a thing that you, you could eat, you could get from like eating like raw pork. I don't think that's fair. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my mistake, uh, this is the first of yeah. four segments that he'll be doing. Um, so yeah, we'll see and talk about him later on. But uh, so yeah, he also did uh, some episodes of shows like uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, the original Flash show, and then uh, Baywatch as well. Yeah. So interesting with him, he handled several um, projects from the 60s to the early 80s, uh, mostly low budget exploitation films with Roger Corman at new world pictures. Corman called a uh, trichnosis, one of the best young directors directors he ever worked with. Um, so I thought that was cool because Corman actually has a pretty good eye for like ability, you know, like say what you want about his output, but the guy is he's, he's been a star maker in a lot of ways, right? Like, and, and the world, the world that we know of filmmaking would not be the same without Roger Corman being there. Uh, so he also, uh, Trichnosis did, uh, 1978's The Evil, which I'm familiar with. I don't think I've seen, but you mentioned he would do a lot of, uh, he would become like a very dependable TV director as we pointed out. Yeah. So, and then, uh, next year, uh, we have a writing credit going to two, uh, people again. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it, it's two, it's two people we've talked about in the past. So, uh, it's Martin Pasco and Rebecca Parr Keone. Keofi. Yeah. Yeah. Keofi. Um, they worked on the beacon, which we've talked about. And then also, uh, but can she type? So 
Um, this would be the last time we deal with them as a writing partner uh, partnership. I don't know if they, like I know they would go on later to to separate in terms of going their separate ways in terms of writing. I think this is the last time we deal with the both of them in terms of the series. Um, the Beacon was, you know, there was some there were some good bones there. I want to say of the three, that's their strongest. Um, but uh, interesting that we ended up. This was a kind of um, there, like a lot of like weird comedy, right? Like. And then the beacon wasn't the comedy. So, well, well, at least we got like a sample for what the, what their thought process is for this, for, for their writing yeah. style. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's kind of too bad um, that they had to leave on this note. I mean, just showing my hand a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have seen something in a darker tone again, like the beacon was, but alas, this is what we get. But yes. uh, yeah, so we'll get into our cast and it's a little larger of a cast that we have here, but uh, we have a uh, Dick Sean, uh, leading us off here, he plays Nelson Westbrook. Uh, he was in shows like Tales from the Dark Side and The Love Boat. Yeah, this guy is an interesting uh, bird, right? Because, like, well, one, do you, like, do you think he and Dom DeLuise looked at each other once and did the Spider-Man thing where they pointed at each other? Do you ever get that oh, vibe, like, looking at, like... I, well, it, it, interestingly enough, there was somebody I, I thought it was uh, at first. I thought it was a cast member from uh, Day of the Dead, um, jo- uh, Joe... Palato, uh, oh, he's I, I, passed away at this point, but he he looked very much like him, like in certain hmm. parts of this episode. I'm like, is that him? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look that up, but I, but I trust your judgment. But I just I got like a Dom DeLuise kind of energy from this guy, where it's like it, there's a particular style of comedy that worked for a particular time. Right. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just is what it is. Uh, he was in 63's It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which I think Dom DeLuise was that as well. Uh, so uh, Dick Sean actually filled in for Carson as a guest host of The Tonight Show on January 1st, 71. Here, this You'll find this interesting. Which saw the airing of the last cigarette commercial on American television. Because oh, wow. it ended as of midnight that night. And so it was um, one minute before midnight that ad aired for Virginia Slims. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He also hosted um, uh, the Friars Club roasts uh, in Los Angeles, New York, um, at one of the X-rated roasts of an 86 uh, of uh, Tommy Chong. So good luck with that. It was Playboy roast Tommy Chong. Um, so... Uh, he, here's, here's the quote from Wikipedia. It said that had overdosed on tasteless routines by previous speakers. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to guess it's a playboy roast in a six. It's probably sleazy as I'll get out. Sean walked up to the microphone, took a long pause and vomited pea soup on himself and other speakers at the dais. What the hell? Right. <laughs> yeah. So then, okay, here's the other thing too. This is a guy, this, this is like an urban legend. You've heard of this happening before, but this is the guy that's happened too. on April 17th, 87 during a performance at the university of California, San Diego. Um, Sean suffered a heart attack and collapsed face down on the stage. The audience initially assumed that was part of the act, but after he remained motionless on the stage for several minutes, a stagehand examined him and asked for a physician. If a physician was present. Wow. You've heard that story before. Like you've heard the urban legend of the, the performer dying on stage and people think it's part of the act and laughing. Right. So this is, this was him. This is maybe it's happened to others, but this literally is what happened to him. And this was in 87 when that occurred. And this episode was what? Um, 86. So consider that. That's, that's insane. Wow. But he did, yeah, he, did, he did. He did not vomit pea soup uh, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, took a hit of his Virginia Slim, vomited pea soup, and then died on stage. You know, whatever. <laughs> well, and then next on our cast here, because <laughs> I don't know how to segue out of that. But uh, uh, Janet Carroll, 
Uh, she plays Marilyn Cavendish. Cavendish, yeah. Yeah, and she was in Risky Business, and she was in uh, uh, some episodes of uh, Married with Children as well. Yeah, so then she was consistently working until 2011 when she was diagnosed with brain cancer, then died in 2012. I don't know why I put that in my notes, but welcome to Strange Highways, everybody. If something horrible happened to somebody, I'm going to bring it up, whether it's helicopter death-related or, I guess, uh, the last two people I mentioned. There we go. Yeah, uh, and uh, next is uh, Joel Brooks, plays Jack Holland. Uh, he was in Stir Crazy, and he was also in the Baver TV movie uh, Here Come the Monsters. Major, uh, put some Monsters uh, trivia in here. So. Yeah, and um, he was uh, trampled to death by horses. I'm kidding. That didn't, no, he's still alive <laughs> and working. I didn't want to. Like, <laughs> no, no, he's fine. He's still around. He's still he working. was trampled to death by Herman Munster in <laughs> yes, Here Come yes. the Monsters. <laughs> oh, I wish I could do a Herman Munster laugh as that's happening. Like, ooh. <laughs> just like stomping on him, right? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, and here we go with uh, Larry uh, Poindexter, which I that I, that name always tickles me because the only time I ever hear Poindexter is in Retur- uh, Re- Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, he plays Milo Trent. Which okay, uh, if you had told me that Milo Trent played Larry Poindexter, I would believe that as well. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, so he uh, one of his more uh, I guess like familiar roles to me. He was in uh, American Ninja Two. Yes, <laughs> the, was it the Final Confrontation or whatever it was called? Yeah, the Final Con- yeah. Confrontation. <sighs> American Ninja Two yeah. is so much fun, people. If you've not seen, uh, you know, canon films are very hit or miss, and when they hit, they're weirdly like there's something very satisfying at the at the um, level of batshit crazy they're working with. And American Ninja is a lot of fun. I love that movie. But American Ninja Two somehow finds a way to get even like like dumber and more fun. It's a lot. It's a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, and I also was in a, a bunch of episodes of Days of Our Lives. So, yeah. um, but our next cast member here is uh, Annette McCarthy. She plays Carla. Um, some episodes of Baywatch and Twin Peaks. Yeah, she just recently passed away, and she was an '85's creature, which I know it's another movie that I know of. I've not seen. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Uh, I think that's a Corman film as well. I that would, think that would, that would track. It. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but then, yeah, now uh, uh, Ralph uh, Mansa plays Saul. Uh, he was in one of the original uh, Twilight Zone series episodes of The Dummy. So yeah, we've got a little, uh, come, you know, yeah. one person so, coming back. <laughs> so I think he's the sound guy in this episode, right? So he's the older gentleman, the sound guy. Um, he, in the trailer for the 98 Godzilla film, which everybody agrees is the best Godzilla film, um, his <laughs> scene where he was the fisherman on the dock. That was the teaser yeah. trailer. He's the guy in that. Um, so that was one of his last things he did. Um, he was also in that gallery and Alfred Hitchcock presents. Um, I'll you know, say what you want about Godzilla. Um, 50% of a good soundtrack. I'll say that not all of yeah, it. There's some good stuff in there though. Yeah. I love the cover of, uh, the wallflowers doing, uh, heroes. Yeah. It's that's really cover. good. And, uh, the Benfold five song is really, really good. And, um, the Foo Fighters song is really, really good in that too. So, yeah. yeah. So, and then next here is, a uh, uh, Kevin Scannell, uh, he plays announcer. Uh, he was in Turner and Hooch and the, uh, Melly, Gr- I think it's Melly Griffith film, uh, milk money. Yeah. You um, mean, you mean announcer and they hold, you're going to move your hands around, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the guy you're talking it, about. Right? The high notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Welcome to strange highways brought to yeah. you by 
Oasis cigarettes. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Not Virginia Slim. Um, <laughs> uh, and then next here is uh, Mike. Right, this one's. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that uh, last name. Pinuski? Pinuski? Pin- so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that, that looks right then. <laughs> All right. So, and then he plays Paige. Um, uh, he was in Belly Hills Cop, and he was also in Spaceballs. Yeah, his, his his title. Do you have the title for him in Spaceballs? No. Laser Gunner Philip Asshole. That was his name. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a member of, like, a bunch of assholes, right? So uh, that was the whole thing about, like, you know, like, I don't know. They're all assholes. And then like, that's when Bill Brooks is like, who here's an asshole. And everybody like was talking. He's like, I'm surrounded by assholes. Uh, so also <laughs> he would play three different law and order like, uh, characters in three different series. I think that's funny how you're like, Oh, you know, it's a living, right? Yeah. Uh, next is uh, Paul Keith plays Paul Loomis, which I always think it's interesting when people play uh, a character that has the same exact name as them. You know, Paul playing Paul. I think that'd be but, easier, uh, right? Because then you don't get distracted by like that's not my name, right? Like, yeah, well, yeah. I, you typically see it in a lot more like shows where, like, Bill Cosby is the Cosby Show. Like his name is being Bill Cosby. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, yeah, I had to bring up Bill Cosby. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Paul Keith played in uh, House Four, which I always forget there are four of those damn films. And then the uh, the uh, haunted, or I'm not sorry, the, it's not haunted. It's not a haunted snowman, but it is a scary killer snowman film called Jack Frost. Yeah, the one with Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, not. No, I'm, not ki- I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Where he plays hockey and kills people. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, he was also in Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl. So there we go. Yeah, and then next, uh, Thomas Beller, or Bellin. I'm sorry, uh, plays Ed Winter. Uh, he was in the the vampire film Vamp. And a little bit of Law and Order, just a little bit of that he was in as well. Those are the things that I was familiar with. And then our last credit, or at least my last credit, uh, John uh, Melichar. Yeah, Melichar. Melichar. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, John uh, John Mekalekahai uh, Mekahainiho. That's that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. He plays the engineer. Uh, uh, episode uh, Quantum Leap and uh, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. All right. Well, maybe he's the sound guy, but I, I feel like Saul was the sound guy, right? I feel like he was the one that was like more predominantly shown. There was a lot of people in this. It, it, it's a whole thing, right? It was, the cast in this is quite big for being in a radio like studio. There's a lot of people just getting tossed around by wind and shit. So anyway, that's your cast. Um, we do have a Charles Aidman intro, um, you know, for good and for bad. Let's let him take it away. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear when radio was king and the special effects were as big as your imagination. All recorded live in the studios of The Twilight Zone. So, uh, you got to tell me, were you excited when you heard the upbeat kind of fun music going into this? Come on, you know you're excited. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) But I will say that for the for the time period that this was supposed to be happening, the music makes a lot more sense. Yes. You know, so I can understand like the, the tone that they're trying to set here with this music and then like the bustling city and everything. And so we get, you know, like our guy, so I believe Milo, who is it? it's Milo. He's trying to get into the building. My, oh, so yeah, Milo. Cause he's not top build on this on IMDb no. for some damn reason. But Milo is uh, an actor apparently that is uh, coming in to read a script. Uh, and the building that he is trying to enter uh, is being guarded by a doorman who 
it's trying to brush him off essentially like telling him no you get out of here kid uh you know don't bother me you know uh he's like pretty much doing his best uh foghorn leghorn you know and uh you know in, in this moment that he is trying to get in and do the script reading that he's supposed to uh we see nelson uh westbrook and his assistant trying to uh, trying to enter the building. No, as well. so, no like, like, back up. There's an ambulance that pulls up because there's a big crowd outside because everyone's excited for this, the, whatever's going on in the studio, right? The ambulance pulls up the, the back of the ambulance. Like it's it almost, it's not dissimilar to the Ecto one. That's that type of look of that, that, you know, vehicle, right? The right. door opens uh, like somebody pops out and you're like, Oh, what's going on with this? It's, it's Westbrook. He is larger than life constantly he's dictating his script already out to his assistant, right? It's like, you can tell this guy is so full of himself, but he makes a very dramatic entrance because, you know, everyone wants to look at an ambulance and then it's like, everybody's going to look at him. Right. So that's that uh, at that point, like, so I'll say this, I, the music didn't get me going to, I don't know about this. And then the kid trying to get in the building didn't get me the ambulance gag. I'm like, what are we in for? So like, uh, I will say I had seen this segment before, but I didn't remember this was the one. But this, and I'm just like, oh no, here we go again. Like, why, 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 why comedy? Why? But yeah, Westbrook. Right. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Right, so, and then the kind of in the walk of going up to wherever they're going to be doing the recording, and that uh, Nelson breaks the news to Milo that he's actually going to be doing a cold reading as opposed to rehearsals, and that he's going right into the fire, and he's a he's a replacement too, so. He didn't really get a whole lot of time to prep this, but, um, you know, he had a script and everything. And apparently, uh, he, somebody dropped the ball being his agent telling him that it was a cold reading. Well, yeah. Cause we find out that Westbrook, um, kind of flies by night cause he's so popular that like nothing's perfect until, up until the moment it's like, you know, read on, on air. And so as much as we have Milo trying to be this, like, you know, consummate professional and have his lines memorized, Westbrook's like, <laughs> you have no idea what's going on, kid. Uh, cause it's like, this is the era of radio. Right. And we're, so like, this is, this is the big time, right? Cause you know, uh, movies weren't really a thing. I mean, motion pictures were probably a thing, but like, you know, everybody was all about the radio, you know? And he would actively keep writing scripts and changing them up to the moment of going live. And so he was more like putting the pressure on the actors to just cold read, as you said, and get ready to go. And so we're, we, as the audience are Milo where it's like, I don't know what we got ourselves into. And so Westbrook at his own, like, um, not devil may care. He's been so confident because in his mind, he's landed the plane every single time that nothing's going to stop me. And this is how I operate. It's much more live and vibrant. You get a much more, um, like, you know, real reaction. That's the vibe I get from him. Right. If you keep everybody on their toes. Right. So, I mean, he's kind of notorious for doing this to everybody to actors. And, and so he has a reputation for doing that. But again, not something that, uh, Milo was able to be uh, clued in on before going to this, uh, this reading. But yeah, it, you know, so our place and time, this is kind of like 30s radio broadcast shows. I, I would assume that's about right. For, yeah, that, uh, timeline. that's right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of shows used to do this. I mean, like radio dramas. And that, I, I, I was I I was born way too late for this. But I'm watching movies, especially like Christmas Story. 
you know what they're doing. So. Yeah, well, and also, the, like, maybe this is, like, the point of the people writing this, that, like, Serling got, a, like, he got a lot of his start, too, in writing some of this, and also he listened to a lot of, like, suspense on the radio, right? So, like, there was a very big market for, you know, like, what was it, um... Like the Lone Ranger, um, uh, like you know, a lot of other things, right? There's so many different shows out there that people would be actively like waiting by the radio to, to find out what happens next. That there was a golden age for this type of thing, and we like you and I even conversing now. This is like the evolution of that, right? Like it's the same thing in terms of like people would actively choose to engage with this content, but you know, like they'd actively, you know, buy, be by the radio and get their little signal rings out and drink their Ovaltine, you know, or their Malto meal or whatever the hell this thing's called in here. But yeah, this was prime time of, uh, radio dramas, right? Right. Like this was must, must, so, must, must listen to TV before TV is a thing. And then, so they get to the studio and everybody's in the same room for the most part, except for, uh, Nelson and his, uh, his secretary or whatever. I don't know exactly what she is. I, I guess like co-writer. I, I don't, I don't, uh, but I, so they're sitting in their own room and everybody's going to be reading together. I mean, uh, Milo gets introduced to everybody and they're like, they're about to start. Like it's about to happen like in the next moment or two. And, um, but that's when we see that Nelson is talking to, I believe it's the engineer. Um, either way, he's talking to a guy mm. who is supposed to have the sound props and that's when he explains that you know, he doesn't like the sound props that he brought. And then that's also when the engineer says, well, I picked up this and it's like some fetish thing. You, we've all heard it in the audio, but to kind of give a better description, it looks like something that maybe would belong to a tribe. Um, it's small. It's, it looks kind of like one of those hand drums. I was going to say it didn't, it looks like a, like African, like fetish, like, like the way that has like, like the masks, but it also yeah. kind of looks like that. And that was the drum from karate kid part two. Yeah. little hand drums, like, yeah. like Asian hand drums. And I thought maybe that was going to be used in that way. I wasn't sure. I was like, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But nonetheless, um, we find out that the engineer had picked it up from some kind of a state or something like that. And, uh, he thought maybe it was going to be useful. And that's when Nelson is like, he's just kind of pissed off about it. And he makes this kind of a silly wish to have everything be realistic. Like, re like whatever's making the noise for the, for the broadcast is going to be from a real source, like an actual source where it's like it should. Yeah. Cause the engineer was like, it's like, this has real power. And he was like, well, if it has real power, I wish everything would, all the sounds for today's broadcast would come from real sources. Right. That's the whole yeah. thing. Right. So then uh, the drum, like he, he plays the drum and then, you know, that you know, smoke comes out cause that's what you do. Right. So, so yeah. And then we get into the actual, um, show. Right. But there is an interplay between, um, there's like, there's the, the, the announcer, uh, the main female lead, the main male lead who seems like he can't read, which is kind of, it's kind of an okay joke. Cause he can't seem to ever like phonetically pronounce words. And like everybody else is kind of helping him along. And then we got our, our main character who's playing what, what Timmy or whatever his name is. But the, but the whole thing is like, it's this adventure show. It's a jungle adventure show. It's well, sorry. It's an adventure show set in the jungle, this chapter. Right. So they start and uh, sorry, Dick Noble, African Explorer. That's what it was called. Right. Uh, and that's when the announcer was saying all this and his hand motions were annoying me. And I'm like, 
just, I get it. You, you got, you, you do what you got to do to get your enunciations out. And this still really annoyed me because like, you know, like have you seen those videos recently where you'll have the people doing sign language at like, um, concerts and how much they yeah. get into it. That's awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. This is not awesome. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a real purpose to why those people are doing sign language. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, so we get into our story and they're, yeah, like you said, they're in the African, uh, like an African safari type area. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for something. I don't know what the hell they're well, looking for. Well, first they but... mentioned the sound of a vulture, right? And then yeah. a vulture just is like in the studio, right? And the sound yeah. guy's like, oh, there you go. Well, that's weird. And I like, okay, say what you want about the segment. His his uh, confusion and then just amusement was great. I, I did like, uh, eventually he's like, I don't have to do this job anymore. People, This is going to happen. But yeah, the vulture shows up. Um, and everyone's like, oh, that's weird. Why is there a vulture here? So... Uh, yeah, continue, please. Yeah, it's 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 just ridiculous. I mean, I I don't know about you, but if I seen a a bird as big as that was, I probably would have ran out while I was pissing myself because those <laughs> animals can be pretty temperamental. I don't. I've been like, yeah, I'm not getting paid for this job. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Milo, Milo just like staying in character. I was like, that wouldn't have happened. Like, like, like let's get real here. Like but you also have job. your you also have your boss looking over your shoulder, watching your every moment, and like maybe, maybe your this is your attachment to fame because like you're the soap opera star, right? Who knows what you're going to put up with to to stay in the spotlight, you know? But I agree with you. I like I'm like oh that's that's a that's a that's a um, a carrion bird. I'm out, you know. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a pterodactyl in here. Um, I'm out. <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, but, okay. Uh, yeah. So, how big of how big does the bird like? Where are you at, bird size wise? Where you're comfortable to stay in the room? Rock to, to stay in the room. Yeah. Uh, probably the biggest I would be like a parrot, like maybe a macaw. Maybe right. Like that's like we see what we see a macaw later, right? So that's about as big. Okay, that's fair. They have pretty big claws though, and I think they shit all over the place pretty pretty readily. <laughs> well, um, they can be pretty temperamental themselves too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, um, I know. What was? Did you ever do the thing here in, in Cleveland at the zoo where you go into the um, the lorikeet uh, pen, where all the lorikeets were there? They're like no. they're bigger than like um, they're they're bigger than um, oh you know your typical like, what, the house bird. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, what's the tiny birds that people have? Um, parakeet. Parakeet. God damn! I said lorikeet. I can't think of parakeet. What's wrong with me? They're a little bigger than a parakeet, and they're just like the like all they want sugar water, but you can walk in the enclosure and hold these little cups of sugar water up and they'll land on you. And it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the, um, it's like the kid friendly version of the birds. Um, like, when, yeah, you're like, Oh, this is oh, all they want is a sugar water, not to rip me to like from limb to limb. Okay. I can handle this. So that's yeah, probably about as big be, as I go. You know, the vulture more or less would be looking at these people like they're snacks. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyways, but, um, yeah, so the, you know, everybody's able to kind of shrug that off and stay in character. And is that when we get the rain next? Um, I think, well, actually, I think they end up getting the the unfortunate um, drums of the local tribesmen. Um, like, I think it's what happens next. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, the storm's brewing. So suddenly there's their storm, and they mention the sound. So it starts raining, and there's wind all over in the studio. They keep going with the script. And it's like, you know, the script should be called Jumanji, the, the, the radio play. Um, and then, 
you know, that's when the sound man gives up. There's the gag of him putting his pipe in his mouth and then turning it upside down so it doesn't get wet. Uh, but then we have the questionable tribesman that shows up. Yeah, um, so there's yeah. like guy playing drums uh, in like makeup and yeah, he, it's it's no, it doesn't age well. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish I kind of wish it would have been one of the tribesmen from Still Life. You know, one of those people that showed up and be like, I'm here now. Who could I attack? You know, don't, don't show your camera at me. You know, anyway. Um, so yeah. Um, so then the cast starts to kind of figure out that they have a little bit of control what happens. Uh, so they, they, I think one of them actually says like the storm's fading, right? So that's when the wind and the rain starts to like slow down. And that's when we get the announcer to do the live read for, um, the serial, which, um, I don't know how you feel about that. It's it's so bizarre that I kind of like it. Yeah, it is kind of goofy. Uh, just you know the, it's very much like in Beetlejuice when he's trying to describe how what his name <laughs> is without saying it and shows Lydia the yeah. orange juice good pouring call. into the cup. Yeah, good call. So yeah, yeah we get a bowl of this, I, I probably wood shavings really, um, being filled up with milk, and and, and it's just it, it's so goofy. And it, it's floating. It's just levitating in the air. Everybody could see it. And the, the announcer is like getting pretty hungry, too, because then he licks his lips while he's looking at it. He's pretty excited about this crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But he just, he just seems kind of like taken aback and kind of amused, which, I mean, fair enough, right? That is weird, right? And then uh, after that happens with the, with the floating milk jug and the bowl of cereal in the studio, one of the parts of the script was like, what's that sound? It sounds like monkeys. Now monkeys show up. You know, so yeah. Carla, who is Westbrook's assistant, is trying to convince him to stop the show. But he is like, just it's like he's like, this is the greatest like like live theater experience I've ever seen. He's so full of himself. It almost feels like his he it's almost like he believes that his writing has been so powerful that it's manifesting. That's the vibe I get. That's how self-confident yeah. that he is with himself. Yeah. And it's I, I can. You can see the ego kind of building as as this is going on too. Like he's going to be a legend now that he was able to somehow tap into this magical power and create everything authentically. But he's also making his entire cast miserable as hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah and it's possibly bad. even putting like I mean, I mean there are some, several OSHA violations here. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But then with the monkey showed up and then um, Carla was like, hey, you need to stop the show. And he's like, why? And she's like, page nine has a plane crash. And he's like, it, he's like, it doesn't care because plane crashes happen outside was his statement. And I'm like, that's short sighted. And then someone mentions a rifle firing and then a gun just like starts floating above everybody. Just like it's it's almost like it. It's almost like a gag from like, uh, like, I don't know, like Evil Dead or something. It's like a Sam Raimi gag. It was just a gun just floating above everybody, just taking pot shots randomly. And then suddenly Westbrook's like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess um, my, co- my my actions do have consequences <laughs> type of thing. But I love that this rifle's just floating, just, you know, just taking shots. It just, it makes no sense. It's so stupid. It is. It's really silly. And it's, um, you know, now it's like you hear more and more jungle sounds coming in mm-hmm. and there's a foliage all around it just kind of manifests yeah it becomes somehow. jumanji that's what it, it becomes yeah. more and more jumanji and then but then he and his uh his um partners decide they're going to start actively writing new pages to avoid the plane crash good call and they start looking for dangerous stuff they said like the earthquake on page 12 right so that's when you mention 
The studio is now full of, uh, it's a full jungle, birds, uh, you know, birds that you and I would be comfortable with, but of, the, of, the, of that size, though, no more. No more birds that that go. There's there's a parrot. Yeah, we don't there's need a, a condor or whatever. Yeah, we don't need a condor. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need we don't need uh, emus running around. Um, we don't need ostriches pecking at our heads. We don't need any of that, right? But yeah, uh, trees and everything else is there. But then and, and it's starting yeah. to get like really funky in there now too. It's like the the humidity is being uh, you know dialed up a little bit because yes. everybody's sweating their nads off. <laughs> you know they're covered in sweat. They're covered in like these plant like, pieces. Yeah, and credit, credit to the cast is, is, as much as I, you know, as, as dumb as the segment is the people involved doing it, sell it. And that, that, that makes it work better. You know, like th- th- this is an impossible situation. It is an absurd situation. Um, but at least they, like you buy that they're in it, you know? So that, Credit where credit's due. This is this the best segment? Not at all, but they're game for what's going on here in terms of them acting in it. So I thought that was fun. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, and they're they're still changing the the script, and that's when we they're pretty much like wrapping it up now, mm-hmm. right? Like they they're kind of like wrapping up the rest of the uh, the script reading. I get, my timeline's a little. No, no, no. They here. they managed to avoid like at, like Westbrook and Company actually managed to avoid most of the the pitfalls of what they had, he had set up. So they're able to kind of manage their way through, and it's like, oh, the rains have calmed down, and you know, um, everything everything's going away. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like the birds went to bed, and the monkeys, uh, you know, all went off and found jobs. That's not what they said, but you know what I mean. Like whatever, right? But now they're in pods. Yeah, uh, they're in pods. They've now become future computers. <laughs> you know, as, as you do, right? <laughs> you know. Hey, go be pod monkeys, whatever. Anyway, so um, I'd like to think yes. that this episode was filmed first, and then they just recycled the <laughs> the, the, the dead monkeys for pod monkeys. Oh, God, that's terrible. Fair enough. All right, so yeah, I was like, I respect that. So, um, so then they're about to be done, and it's just up for the announcer to kind of give like the ending, and then, um, and then as he's about to read things, Westbrook realizes like, oh shit, I forgot to change the adventure for next week where it's like, um, you know, we have, uh, what's his name? Um, Dick Noble, um, you know, the noble Dick, he's going to go to space and he's going to fight invaders from Mars. And he's like, Oh shit. Um, and then all of a sudden a UFO burst through the, the, the wall of the studio. Uh, and you hear, you see a UFO and everyone's like, Oh shit, what's going on? And then you hear, a little bit of the riff on the twilight zone, which is not the first time we've dealt with that in this, the series, which is fine. Right. And that's the end of the segment is like, Oh, did we get out almost? But then we actually, um, we talked invaders from Mars into existence and that's the end of the segment. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I thought that was kind of fun at the end to have the, the little Martian mm-hmm. spaceship cl- come through the wall. I mean, it's like, Oh, we thought it was over. And it's like, damn, the last thing that we forgot to change. So I'm going to put this to you. Had this had a little higher budget and a little bit more steady hand behind it, um, this would have been a perfectly acceptable episode of Amazing Stories. Yeah. No, that's that, – I think it would have been better suited for Amazing Stories for sure. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's As far as this is considered, I mean, I don't – I didn't hate this episode like I or this segment like I hated the last segment, but it is just like one of those things that the comedy it's just it's not it's not good. You know, it's just like the, 
when the Twilight Zone does comedy, at least in these these 80s episodes, it really hasn't been good. So I just didn't find any humor well, in I mean, this. It, it, okay, so comedy, I mean, obviously, one, it's subjective, but it's like you go to something like um, A Little Peace and Quiet, that is comedy until it's not right. Mm-hmm. Like where it's fun until it pulls the, it pulls the, like the carpet out from under you. Right. Where you're like, Oh, well we're done now. We're all screwed. And that works for me. Right. Cool. Um, and, and like something like this is it, it's, you know, taken for what it is, it's a lark and there's bits and pieces in here that I do like, but um, I just, I don't know. Maybe this isn't my flavor of Twilight Zone, and, that, and that's fine too. Do I think this is a, a better functioning segment than uh, Personal Demons? A thousand percent. Um, it, it's frustrating to me that as an hour of television, right? Because we've for in terms of episode eighteen as a whole, you have the first segment, Grandma, which is haunting and very upsetting, and then you get Personal Demons, which is like. I'm glad that I went to go use the, the bathroom, whatever. Right. And then you get this, you're like, how do you like, how, like if you were a viewer, like on a Friday night, like how do you come out of this on the other end? You know, like with these three experiences back to back to back, which I know that's not how we talk about it, but you kind of got to consider it a package deal as episode 18. It's weird. Yeah, I, I think that is a, an interesting way to look at it because I mean, at some, you know, some of our listeners may have seen this when it initially aired. And I just think that, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to think of how the flow would have, you know, like had, you well, know, worked out yeah, for and, how these were shown. And I'll I'll be honest here, like um, uh, I've been, you know, when I when I go to see what's next, I tend to watch the episode in full and then go through and do my notes and everything because it's like you know it's an hour. Like, what are you going to do, right? Like, like I'll you know I'll be doing something like you know. I'll take a lunch break. I'm like, I'll watch the twilight zone. Might as well just watch it all, you know, cause I feel like it, it doesn't hurt to get ahead a little bit. Right. Like I'm not trying to like, you know, dismiss our conversations, but we, this is what 20, almost 30 year old series. We have it on DVD. I can just watch it. <laughs> you know, Like it's just, also, I think, you know, I think it's, it's, I, I just, I also want to protect Terry. I want to always give him like, Hey, what well, heads up? I love you. Don't like, just careful, you know, careful. Like, <laughs> challenge your expectations ahead. Anyway. So I just, I watched this as a whole and complete episode and it was just, it was really, Oh man, it's a little bit of a whiplash. Um, do I think this is a stronger segment than personal demons? Absolutely. But it's also like, why couldn't you have reversed the order of the stories? Meaning like, what if you start off with personal demons and to do this one as the second one and then end it with grandma, that would have probably just gave everybody nightmare fuel for the rest of the, like the rest of the night which I think that's the better way to leave you with a series like this. This is like, it's almost like the exact opposite of like um, dead of night. When we talked about that as a three stories, it's like, it kind of went from like, you know, Oh, lighthearted to, well, that was interesting to That's messed up. You could have flipped this. And I think it would have been a way more effective hour of television. I agree with you. I, it's just one of those things that watching it like this, it almost like, you just want to walk away from it. And I think if you would have had it the other way around and had the more, uh, emotional and like, uh, disturbing one at the end, then it is keeping somebody's ass firmly set in that seat. Well, cause it also would have caught you off guard where you're like, well, the first part you're like personal demons, whatever. Okay. It was okay. And then this one be like, okay, this is actually a little better. And it would have been like setting you up for like a lighthearted night. And it's Mm. like, Nope. Punch in the stomach. You know, like that would have been, 
that's the way I would like, you know, if I, if I do my, me being a terrible person, that's the way I set my programming is to leave you, leave you, um, upset. Right. Versus like, Oh no, it's okay. We got, uh, we got a little bunch of little people in costumes and then we have, uh, we, you know what? We have, we have some milk pork and some cereal. It's okay. You guys, it's okay. Enjoy your, enjoy your Friday night. Calm down. You know, right. Just, it's, I, I think this, the story as an idea is okay. I think, uh, especially with the idea of taking radio and then the idea that when you write a radio script and you do a radio show, you can do anything that you want as long as you have the right sound production. Cause you can create a big soundscape. Cause that was the point. That was the fun of it. Right. You could, it's, it's like, it's the theater of the mind in the sense of like, as long as you give the right setting and enough, right. You can, you can have fun with that. And so, but it's like, but what if that becomes literal? So when I keep calling this Jumanji, it's like, it's kind of the whole thing of like, be careful what you wish for. Like, oh, you want this game that the stakes are real? Well, you're going to get it. And with this, it's the same thing. So I think that's a fun idea to play around with. It's just, um, my thing would have been like, maybe start off being goofy and then like, there was plenty of room here to end this on like a terrible, terrible ending, which What's that say about me that I always want things to end badly, but I don't know. <laughs> I got uh, abuse me. <laughs> well, just, and, and yeah. it's like, you're still in the safety of your own home too. And there's going to be an episode the next week. So it's, I mean, it, I, I, I feel like, yeah, push people's buttons. Yeah. Make people think a little bit more, uh, draw out emotions that perhaps, you know, no other show on television is able to do at that time. Well, even like, even like with tales of the crypt, right? Like it would always have like this black humor where even if you had a dark ending, it's like, you still enjoyed the ride, but you're like, Oh, everybody's screwed. You know, like yeah. there's a way to walk that. And I'd even go back. I, I, I know I always, I always, always, always talk about one of my favorite episodes of the original series is from the first season uh, called the chaser. And it's like, it's such a fun episode and it ends on such a like, well, you, you chose this life. You're screwed now that I kind of love. Cause it's like, it's terrible for the person, but it's a satisfying ending, you know, like just comedy is hard. Like, you know, like I think comedy is harder than horror sometimes. I don't think maybe you could tell me I'm wrong about that, but like, I mean, cause how many times, how many times, and I don't want to drag this out further than we need to, how many times have you and I have been approached in terms of like being viewers where it's like, Oh, it's a horror film. So we're supposed to forgive when it sometimes kind of doesn't make sense where it's like, but you love horror. It's like, yeah, but you didn't really do much for me. And it's like, sometimes like, um, a bad horror movie that's not done well is almost the same thing as a bad comedy where it's like, well, it's supposed to be comedy. So it's not supposed to be good. But when you, when you smash them together, when neither one's good, no one's happy. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. Like it's, they're two, they're two genres that are tough to get right. And the hand waving of hand waving of like, but it's comedy, but it's horror. I don't like that either. Yeah. And I, I think that with, with both, uh, comedy and horror as genres that people are not as forgiving that, you know, like I know what horror film I like and I know what really in, when I watch it is just not going to hit for me. And if somebody is so, so incredibly passionate about something, it's still, I'm, there's a hesitation for me. And I, you know, even like-minded individuals, there's plenty of stuff that I, you know, my close friends have recommended to me. And then I see it and it's like, well, hmm, 
okay, well, I, obviously some there was miscommunication here somehow. Okay, but well, I have like, a name, and I don't a, know what I've recommended to you. Fine line yeah. between good and bad. In its <laughs> I don't. Own way. I don't know what I've recommended to you that you didn't like, but okay, fine, I get it. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it during Wasteland, and then <laughs> so you can get, so I can see the look of this. No, no. Do you remember? So, do you remember there was that there was that segment and the Jordan Peele the season two of their Twilight Zone where it was like the weird like octopus thing that was going on. Do you remember that one where it was like, it was kind of like, uh, cause what was, Oh, there was a lead singer from the one band that was like the, the scientist guy. I forget. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Where Joel McHale was in that episode where it's like, Oh, this is kind of an okay idea. And it's kind of a comedy, but none of it works. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't quite. Oh, it was, I think now, it was called eight. I think it was called eight. It was the one where it was like the smart octopus that was like screwing with everybody. Oh yeah. 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 And I think uh, it was yeah, the, the uh, lead singer from, uh, from uh, Rancid. Was Rancid. I was going to say Ruby Soho, but that's the song they did, right? But it, yeah, it's like one of those things where I'm like, okay, I can kind of see where you're going, but you really don't, you really don't connect the two. So no, like, so this, why, why, like, why is it in, in, in the year of our Lord, 2023, like our Lord, but that we still can't get this right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird to me. So, um, I don't know. Like this one's okay as a comedy segment. It's okay. It's lighthearted, which I'm okay with too. I just, my God, like, I don't know if it feels appropriate for the twilight zone. That's all. I can agree with that as well. Um, it's, there's just something about it that makes it feel like it, it doesn't fit. Yeah. And it, I think you hit it right on the head that this would have been perfectly fine as an amazing stories episode. And I think there, we probably would have had a little bit more enjoyment if it was a higher budget, just kind of refining it a little bit more. Yeah. Cause I mean, could you imagine like, is I know Spielberg oversaw the, the, that series. Like what if he would have been the one to do this, you know, like at Spielberg at that time, that would have been something right. Like that would have been interesting, but, or Zemeckis at the time, I think we'd yeah, have, that would have both, been it. Yeah. Both, uh, completely fair. Yeah. So, all right, that's, that's going to do it for the talk. Um, uh, as, as we should do here, um, we're going to rate that twist. <laughs> Again, as always, to remind those people, I think I want people to be like, you know what? I really like cold reading. I want to check out this podcast. Like, well, all right, well, welcome. <laughs> Oddly specific, but thank you for coming to the show. Uh, twist rating means one through five. One, we saw it from a mile away, and five being mind blowing. Does not. It's not indicative of how we feel about the episode. Um, that um, whenever the guy was like, I wish the sounds would be real. I'm going to give that a two because that's literally what happened this entire time. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say one. All right. I, I'm going to say one. That, I mean, like cold reading, I wasn't quite sure what the title meant. No, but, that, that implied you know. more of a psychic thing, right? Because there's cold readings yeah. and hot readings, right? So Yeah, yeah that's exactly where my, my mind was going. Because, you know, that is a thing, cold reading on, on people. So, But yeah, yeah one, one is kind of where I'm uh, aligning my opinion with. Because I just... After the... As soon as the Zuni, whatever, the <laughs> African culture thing... But, I knew where it was going from that point forward. What if it would turn into the little doll from a uh, trilogy of a terror and just went around stabbing people in the legs as they're trying to do a radio show. Would that have been better? I, I would have felt a lot more uh, compelled to watch more of that. <laughs> like like I, I would have tuned in next week. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh, what were our hero Karen black do, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do our, our discussion about cold reading. Uh, you guys can find us on uh, strange highways on Facebook. Um, you, you know, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us, you can email us directly at strange highways, podcast, Um, yeah, just again, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the conversation, which we hope you do, 
Uh, I, I enjoy the conversation. I know like I'm biased, but I love talking to Terry. Like, you know, he's one of, one of my best friends. I love him to death. And I, and I think that we have a wonderful, and I'm going to slap myself in the back, engaging conversation. And if you enjoyed it as well, let other people know as well. And Terry, where can people find us additionally? Well, thank you for tuning in every week, Paul. I really appreciate it. But I try. <laughs> but, I try. I mean, but, sometimes I sometimes I don't tune in. It's weird because I talk and I don't listen to myself. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, we are on Instagram as well, folks. Go ahead and check us out over there. Like, share, have some fun on there because uh, you know we're just trying to get the word out a little bit more. We don't make any money from this, but it is a lot of fun and it is a. A true labor of love for us, and the, the, we hope the, that you the, enjoy this. I want to call this a nonprofit, but it's not like we actually do anything. But this really, there literally is not a profit from this. So, uh, you're welcome, world. <laughs> we we provide we provide a beneficial service of wasting your time uh, a couple hours a week um, to make make things better. But we literally do not make a profit. We make an anti-profit. So we're an we're an anti-profit organization here. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, because somebody uh, somebody's pockets are getting lined, and it's yeah, not ours. So. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Right. So no. Um, like, because you mentioned you've mentioned we're on Spotify. I have a feeling that any of those ads that play, we don't see any of that money. Weirdly enough, I don't know. It's weird. Um. So, but I mean, if you want to buy a mattress for me, I can find one. I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be a good one. If you, you know, actually here, I'll put it this way. If you're looking for a refrigerator that may or may not work, I have one in my garage when I bought my house. Just let me know, make an offer. You can have it. And by the offer, I mean free. Just take it. It's fine. Or when your apple tree starts fruiting, no, uh, sh- you can go over and hush, pick as many as you like. Hush your goddamn mouth. You just be quiet. <laughs> you and do not ever mention Seppelas again here on um, this the, the podcast. <laughs> the Seppelas? Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Goddamn. Because, you know, I'm worried. The, the trees, I think they they go every other year, and I'm in the other year now, and I do not want to deal with all the sepulchs that may happen. I, I think it's building up power right now. It's building up its strength. Mm. <laughs> well, Terry, you can come over and have all the sepulchs you want. Anyway, so that's going to do it for this week. Uh, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now, Mr. Serling. I teased this before we started recording, Terry. Um, we're going to get into uh, Season 1, Episode 19A. Um, I'm going to read you the title and just when I say the title out loud, just don't, don't, don't think just immediately say what you're thinking. Can you, can you promise me that? I'm ready, man. Let's go. The leprechaun artist. What? <laughs> the leprechaun artist. Uh, all I can think. Of I honestly thought like, you were going to say the F word. I had to bleep it out. That's what I was <laughs> like. I thought that was what was going to happen. I'm just confused. I don't like, is it a guy who paints leprechauns or I don't <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Show me your shillelagh. Yeah, whatever. Right? Uh, no, um, I I thought this was funny because I'm like, why do we get two leprechaun episodes in the same season? Like, really? This what? No, no. We just had the little people of Clanny Woods or whatever it was, right? Like, it's just uh, we we're getting like, another again, leprechaun this, episode. This episode, this episode too, did not air in the March, uh, uh, the month of March. So, what the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, for us, we'll get to this one. I think we'll get to this one before the end of March, right? Because, like, uh, I'll take this back. Yeah, we'll we'll get to this one. <laughs> we'll record this. It will come out. The, this this episode about uh, the Leprechaun Arts will actually show up in March. So, um, can I also? I'll just let you know. It was directed and written by Tommy Lee Wallace. We'll get there when we get there. Um, but yeah, it has Leprechaun. 
Because <laughs> you know, you know what is box office gold? Leprechauns. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's, I just don't know what to say. I guess. Oh, oh, is this a comedy segment? It is. Um, is oh, it? Great. Oh, oh my Mama gosh! I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink your tears. It's gonna be amazing. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, can I? Can I? I've seen this one. I let a lot of people. I've, I've seen this in the course of us getting ready for these shows. Um, I promise you, Terry, that you may not. This may not be your favorite. But there's going to be things to talk about that I think you will enjoy. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, here's for hoping. Here's for... <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's go do it for this week. Everybody have a good week. Um, in the meantime, I don't know, like, um, don't go wishing for sounds to happen because if that was the case, then, I don't know, um, it get weird and also... Uh, Choose choose your birds wisely. I have nothing else for that, Terry. Where where, where, where are we at here? Uh, just make sure you don't piss off piss off OSHA as well. Don't worry, it's not as hard as it looks. Hey, how much can go wrong in 15 minutes?